This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bioproven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. New and used machinery prices have been on a steady and sometimes steep incline recently. The availability of some pieces of machinery has been limited with waiting lists for new equipment. But is that situation beginning to turn? Greg Peterson discusses the canaries in the coal mine that may indicate changes ahead in the machinery market. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. If you pay for nitrogen, you want to make sure you get what you pay for. As a farmer, I want predictable, productive, and weatherproof options. But that can be hard to find, of course. You get that predictability, though, with Pivot Bioproven 40 OS, a reliable form of nitrogen delivered during the most critical growth periods. Pivot Bio products contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long, so you know your plants are getting a reliable source of nitrogen when they need it. For the past three years, Pivot Bio has offered U.S. corn growers a product that is applied through an in furrow application. Now, Pivot Bio Proven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. I'm using Proven 40 OS, and I hope you'll check it out as well. Visit pivotbio.com for more information. A lot of us have experienced a supply shortage when it comes to finding new and used machinery or parts for some of the equipment we own. In recent months, that situation seems to have eased, but prices continue to track near or at all-time highs. There are indications the market may be beginning to turn, though. Are higher interest rates and tighter margins having an impact? Greg Peterson and I discussed what he is seeing right now in the market. Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete, is my guest. And Greg, uh, it's good to visit with you again. I understand you're in Rochester right now, but I'm sure you're always on the road this time of year, right? Yeah, it's starting to slow down a little. Um, you get to the end of April, but yeah, fe- February, March, first half of April, lots of auctions going on, farm shows. Um, yeah, so we've been out on the road a lot. It's been a good spring, and uh, it is nice to be home once in a while. You know, something I don't think I've ever asked you on our little segment is, is how much does the pace of auctions change as we get into planting season? I would guess that we don't see many because everybody goes to the field, but how much does it shift for you and your busyness on the road? Yeah, it's changed a little bit over the years, Andrew. Uh, There used to be a really uh, sharp decline uh, once you'd get to about, you know, tax day, April 15th or so. Uh, Canadians are always a month behind us, so our March is there April. So there was always sales up there going on, but in the U S Midwest here, it would really slow down uh, kind of a fever pace through March into early April. But these days with the growth of online auctions, it's really changed uh, quite a bit. And then since the pandemic three years ago, now it's, now it's more of a a steadier stream. So there's always, you know, uh, there, of course the weekly auctions and they have a tremendous flow of equipment, but now we're seeing more individual auctioneers, a lot of young folks start their own online auction companies and, uh, you know, work towards having a monthly sale. So when you figure all of us and Canada agriculture on the auction front, it's, it's kind of mind blowing, actually the raw number of sales there are on a, on an annual basis. It's nuts. Well, when you think about the number of sales, 
how has the number of on-farm sales then changed over time? Or a lot of people just saying, we aren't going to even do it on-farm, we're just going to go totally online? Yeah, it's changing, uh, sand shifting underfoot, uh, no question. Uh, we, I mean, a little bit of it is, is regional. We do see more in-person auctions if you get towards maybe down your way, Missouri on down south. Um, but, you know, there's just more online uh, these days. I, I think the physical auction will, will continue to be a piece of the puzzle just because, you know, oh, you know, there's probably 12, 1,500 auction companies. We work with almost all of them. And you know, there's personal preference there. Some folks like to offer the, you know, the combination if the seller wants to have the physical auction. I think for a lot of farmers, Andrew, that maybe farm their whole career and in the back of your head, you're thinking, well, when it's time for me to retire, you know, I'll have the sale. There was a strong picture image in their head and heart of what that would be. And, you know, a lot of people just maybe aren't as computer uh, savvy. So they still want to, it maybe scares them to go online only, but, you know, at this point now, the data shows that, uh, online only, there's nothing to be afraid of at all. The buyers will be there. And that's really the whole thing. Whatever type of auction you have, you have to, you know, bring in buyers from outside your area, online bidders, and then the sale uh, can be super uh, successful. Do you really find any difference in prices now? Because even if you have an on-farm auction, almost all of those have some sort of online component to them. Is there really any difference between you think the prices between you get from one over the other now? Uh, nope, nope. There's no difference now. Um, you know, again, I've been tracking this 33 years, so it's been interesting to watch that. I used to, again, back to your point earlier about the seasonality of the auction uh, flow, there used to be uh, quite a data a break, I would say, based on the type of auction. So, you mean, I mean, you've got your, your farm auction, which could be a retirement sale or an estate sale, and then you had your consignment sale, and then you'd have a you know dealer auctions. Um, so, we would always classify on every piece sold entered in our website what type of auction it was, because it used to be that a consignment sale would be, you know, depending on the consignment sale and the auction company's policies, is it absolute? Uh, are there buybacks? You know, farmers are smart. They know that. And there used to be a, a, a notable difference between a farm auction price and a consignment auction price. And that's out the window now. And, you know, you know, honestly, because of the online bidding. So, no, the, the price thing doesn't matter. It's uh, I do get farmers thinking me once in a while, Andrew, they'll they'll find an occasional auction now that doesn't have online bidding. And they're smart enough to go, oh. I think there could be a buy here just because there is no online bidding and they're right to do that. Uh, now it's become very rare. Uh, and really even the bigger development, I think in the online world is um, auctioneers ability to get their listings on their upcoming auction into the, the listing sites like ours, machinerypeat.com or tractor house or whatever, because there you've got, you know, just mass eyeballs of farmers shopping. It used to be you'd have an auction, you'd have online bidding. The folks would have to hear about your sale and then go to your website and find the link. And now, you know, auctioneers, we work with them and they get their listings right in machinerypeat.com. So some dude's in there looking for a whatever, John Deere 9400 tractor. And they'll go, oh, look, there's a sale coming up in St. Joe, Missouri. They just hit the bid button. There you go. Right, right. 
Well, let's jump into what we've already been seeing here in 2023. I know that there are going to be, I'm not going to say weak spots. I don't know that we have weak spots, but we'll get to some of those. But for the most part, as the trend of 2022 continued into 2023, you continue to see plenty of strength, strength and not much weakness? Yeah, that would be a very good synopsis, Andrew. That's exactly what we've been seeing. Again, uh, for the second year in a row, when the calendar flipped, you know, I'm a data guy, and I, the year-end uh, tax buying force to minimize taxes is because of Section 179. It's so strong that I almost thought this can't keep at this pace. And for the second year in a row, it did. Uh, we got into January. There was no slowdown. Actually, a little prices were strengthening. Um, we did right at the end of 22, one specific area that started to soften up noticeably was late model combines, One, but just one to three-year-old. If you drifted back towards eight, 10, 12 year old combines, those were still holding very strong. Um, and that's what we're seeing. And the, the key thing I'm watching is the supply side of used inventory. Uh, now, you know, we've been pinched in the last two plus years with supply of both new and used. And a lot gets written about the tight, you know, the supply issues on the new equipment side. So if you want to buy a new planner, well, tough luck, they're pre-sold out, right? And that's been the case with a lot of things across the equipment world. But to me, the bigger story was the historic low level of used inventory on dealer lots. And in some instances now, we're seeing that begin to change. And that, that begins to change the whole equation. Then you take a little bit of that pressure valve off and the auction prices begin to mitigate. Talk about those combines. I know that you had written about that. That one to three-year-old combine maybe has not advanced as much or softened a bit. Why? Well, the one to three-year-old ones, I, I could tell it to you this way. So my last outing, I was in Michigan. We were filming for the for our TV show, and uh, I was filming some YouTube videos uh, on the side. A guy had an unbelievable John Deere collection. And he had his John Deere salesman there with him just, you know, to talk. Great guy. And he asked me, hey, Machine Repeat, what are you seeing on the combine values? So I told him just what I told you. It's like, well, depends. One to three-year-old auction prices have softened because we see supply going up, older combine values holding stronger. And I didn't. And then he jumped in and said, well, that's interesting because we have we had five X9s, you know, Deere's latest big monster combine. And he goes, we thought we had buyers for them. And of course it was hard to get uh, earlier. Now they got these five coming in and their and their buyers backed away. So now the dealer is starting to go, Oh, we, we had a situation we didn't think we had there. Now, you know, we've got five new combines we got to find buyers for. So that's one dealer. And then it's, you know, uh, so things like that. Um, again, to me, it's always been connected auction pricing with what we see on dealer used lots. Um, and the third piece, of course, is farm income. So are farmers aggressive or are they pulling back? So, you know, there's just more late model used combines and maybe now starting to be more new combines available for farmers to, to be a little more choosy as when they're buying. Interest rates certainly are higher than they were this time last year. We don't know where we're headed from here, but we'll probably stay in this range and maybe fall back slightly. So how is that impacting not only dealers that have something on their lot, but also farmers that are going to want to be in the market to buy something? Yeah, I think one thing we're seeing, you know, it's funny. I get asked about interest rates a lot, and it's a big jump, obviously. 
Um, and the, you know, new and used equipment is so expensive now. Uh, but on the one hand, we haven't really seen interest rates affect overall used values hardly at all. And I think a lot of that is because to a great extent, there've been, these are cash buyers. Uh, farmers have really strong balance sheets. Now, one thing we have seen is farmers who maybe want to trade out of that two, three, four-year-old combine or tractor into the newer model. They tend to, you know, stay with the new, but they're kind of trapped by their interest rate. They, they want to get into that new combine, but ugh, I got to jump into that higher rate and the math just doesn't work. So that's a problem. And then, as you mentioned, on the dealer side, the interest rates, that's where I'm noticing uh, the more immediate response because as, and dealers have been very tight, they haven't had much used inventory to sell, but as that starts to build, and again, now the versus 15 years ago, you might, a dealer maybe had 20, you know, high horse tractors on, sitting on their used lot and those things were worth whatever, 300,000. Well, now they, they might be on their books for, you know, four or 500,000. And when that interest rate goes up a couple couple percentage points or half a point that affects their carrying costs and their credit lines. So they, there's be more pressure on the dealer side to move that high dollar late model use stuff quicker. So that'll definitely, I think through the rest of 23 start to be more of a force. Well, and as we look at crop prices moving forward, uh, we don't know of course what will happen with the amount of crop we're going to grow this year, but you look at some of those corn prices for uh, new crop delivery. Some of the first digits are now tick, ticking down toward uh, a four. How does that impact uh, things going forward? I think at some point it, it, it certainly does. Oh, no question. I mean, that's you're going right into the farmer's head and heart here and their checkbook. Um, so, again, that to me, that's really been the, the fascinating part of 33 and a half years I've been tracking auction prices because – you know, one of these days, Andrew, what I need to do is overlay the, the the corn chart, price chart, against my auction price chart. So we have a big picture look, our machine repeat use values index report. It's, it's me trying to put my spin on our data to give a storyline, you know, basically to the investment community. Here's what's happening with used values and conditions for new equipment sales. And it is connected at the frickin' hip to price of corn and beans. It just is, always will be. Um so, yeah, I mean, as there's back off with, you know, farmers having to pull in the reins a little bit, you know, that uh, will be a, a, you know, a force to deal with. But I'm, I'm seeing weird correlations. Now, this sounds funny, but in the housing market. So you've got rising interest rates. And, well, at least from what I can tell, um, as I study the housing market, um, is that the lack of supply of existing homes for sale is keeping values strong. And I think that's kind of because the price of new, and this is always true, it's been true all my 33 years, but the rising price of new works to keep the value of good used strong because it's relative, right? If your new tractor is 700K, well, if I got to pay four and a quarter for this, that's not so bad. And I, that, will still be in place. And the fact is that new equipment prices have had some of the most, well, the most aggressive price jumps ever, understandably so with the, through the pandemic and the, you know, inflation and labor costs, shipping costs. Uh, but again, 
all that new stuff is just jump, jump, jumped. So this is the tricky part. And I've been trying to get in farmer's ear about this actually for over a year now, that if you if you're banking on the fact that, oh, well, when the price of corn drops, used equipment values will tank, just like they always used to tank. That what that farmer knows in his past history and from his dad and his grandpa is true and valid. It always did tank. But what was driving that tank was the fact that farm equipment dealers had, they were always, first of all, there were twice as three times as many dealers. They hadn't consolidated yet. So you had a dealer with one, one store, two, three, or four, and they all were stuck with too many one, two, three-year-old tractor, combine, planter, sprayers. And when things turned, they just had to hold it because they couldn't sell it because they'd be out of business. Things are different now. There aren't as many dealers and there's not, we're going into a downturn whenever that downturn happens with less used equipment. So to me, that's going to, and again, the auction sale prices day by day will tell the tale. And again, we're starting to see one to three-year-old combine prices drop, but we're not seeing anything else drop. So it's going to be interesting going forward. I think used values will hold better than people think they will. That's something I wanted to ask you is, are dealers, because we've had consolidation, are they heading into, let's say, what may be a, a downturn if, if crop prices continue to move lower, if interest rates remain higher, are they set up better than they have been in the past? Uh, what lessons have they learned or how do they head into this to protect themselves? Well, there's two components to that. So on the one hand, I would say technically, yes, they are set up way better because they're, they're larger groups. They're, they're capitalized at a wholly different level. And this was, of course, driven by the manufacturers. They wanted that. It was very contentious, of course. It, not No fun to be told if you're a two or three store dealer, hey, your days are numbered, buddy. Just the way it is. But um, what I, the, the people component, when you talk to dealers, again, they're like farmers. They, they're ingrained through these ups and downs in the egg cycles. So uh, they start to see inventory starting to build with combines and it started to build maybe 18 months ago with smaller horse tractors because that segment was on fire when the pandemic started. Everyone owned land, wanted to buy a little tractor or whatever. And that demand got met. And so dealers, they sound increasingly negative, like, ooh, you know, this, this, is, this is changing. But structurally, I think they are no doubt set up better. Um, and, the, and again, the fact is, if I compare to, if I go back to the last downturn, spring of 13, and you looked when the price of corn and beans fell after having been strong for whatever, five years plus, dealers... Oh man, they had so much late model. They knew they were in trouble and they got through it, worked out from under it. And at the time, what they said, Andrew was, we'll never do this again. We, this has been so painful and so bloody way. Hey, well, we're not going to do this again. We're not going to, if you come in to trade in your stuff, we're not going to put, even though there's pressure on us to move new equipment, we're not going to overvalue trade-ins. That's what they said. But even among dealers back then, the question was, okay, when, when things get cranking, like they've been cranking here the last few years, will there be the discipline across the industry to carry that mindset? And I would say they're, they're definitely more disciplined, but they're in a tough spot because manufacturers tell them, you know what, sell, 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 sell. And 
they're rewarded for higher market share based on new equipment sales, incentivized to do that. At the same time, they're running their business, trying to manage risk. It's a tough spot. So overall, I think, yes, they're positioned better, but there will be some adjustments coming. You recently wrote about canaries in the coal mine. Uh, do you want to speak about that? We've already hit on a, a little bit of this, but what are the canaries in the coal mine we need to be watching out for? Yeah, I wrote, well, my wife, is a she likes to feed the birds. So I look out my window, we have a big bird feeder, a pergola with bird feeders all over it. And I got thinking one day, you know, I get asked some, there's been such a mindset the last two years, Andrew, people, and again, it's in all of us, the cyclical nature of ag. So when things are good, it's like, oh, when's that other shoe going to drop? And how far is it going to drop? How hard? And I've been asked that continually. So to simplify it, the two canaries in the coal mine, one is just the auction prices every day. So, you know, it doesn't matter how good things have been for five years. Tomorrow, if there's an auction in St. Joe, Missouri, and there's a three-year-old 400-horse tractor, what's it going to bring? And is it going to be, is it going to stay where it's been sky high record level, or is it going to drop and how much? So that's why, you know, again, the first canary in the coal mine with combine started to show up the second week of December of 22. Whoop. We'd have a farm sale, everything's selling high, Ooh, except that two-year-old combine. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't as hot. And the second canary is supply of used. Now that's, Visually to the farmer, all, all you have to go on really is just, you know, it used to be just driving down a road and you'd say, well, my dealer, ooh, it looks like they're a little thin on planters or heavy, whatever. So there's that element. But now with online listings like our site, machinerypeat.com, you can actually go in and monitor and say, you know, well, I'm looking at 24-year-old, you know, one to five-year-old planters. How many are there? So that's something we watch really closely. And I'm hoping that on our website, machinerepeat.com, we can put more front-facing supply type of data to show the farm audience, you know, it's almost like a stock graph. It's like, oh, the supply is up or it's down because that's super connected to what we see hard cash auction pricing. Before we wind up, you wrote about some predictions for 2023, one of which was that the Vikings will win the Super Bowl, which, of course, I hope doesn't happen because I'm a lifelong Chiefs fan. But who, who knows what, what will happen? But uh, besides the Super Bowl, any other predictions you have for uh, 2023? Well, that this is why I don't like to make predictions. I like to deal with the reporting. Here's what it's all for today. Because I'm a Norwegian and I get out over my skis when I try and say, hey, this is going to happen. But no, I guess predictions, Andrew, I, I would say again that uh, um, I think that uh, used values in general are going to hold a little stronger than people think they will, no matter what happens with price of you know corn and beans. I, I think that, again, because of the supply issue. Um, so there's that part of it. I guess the other thing not this not so much a prediction but and it's not quite as visible but at the manufacturer level so deer and case and you know all the different uh companies they they've had such struggles you know making enough product for people now one of the things that's happened through that is they've had they've had the greatest level of pricing power they've ever had i mean ever if you're a john deere or whoever 
So you got to get the product to the farmer who wants to buy a new planter. But at the same time, if you're the company themselves, they go, well, this is pretty advantageous for us if we have this, this level of pricing power. So, you know, the trick for them is going to be they want to keep that. I mean, they all do. They, they all do. So then you have to walk that fine line of holding your production in line. And that's, I just read a story yesterday, I think it was Reuters, that wasn't specific to the farm equipment space, but it was talking about manufacturers. And it was saying that for the first time since the pandemic hit, they're starting to see, oh, we have product, maybe too much product. And of course that changes everything. So if, if that starts, and that's one of my canaries in the coal mine, basically, you know, the supply of new and used equipment. So, but other predictions, man, I don't know. I, I guess off my Vikings terrible, terrible result there, I should, uh, I should maybe shy away from further predictions, Andrew. <laughs> well, Greg, I always appreciate the time. Good to visit with you. Yeah, you as well, Andrew. Thanks for the visit. Of course, you can connect with Greg in many ways, chief of which is MachineRepeat.com. It's a great place to get more information and see what's available in the machinery marketplace. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can follow Farming the Countryside on Facebook and Instagram, and you can hear past shows by going to FarmingTheCountryside.com or just go to your favorite podcast platform where you can access archived shows that you may have missed. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot BioProven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com.